Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. So some years ago, I had the opportunity to um, have lunch with an evangelist, an Indian evangelist called uh, P.S. Rambabu. Um, Rambabu um, is a very well-known um, healing evangelist, uh, ministers around the world, and uh, we had a lot of contact with him uh, back in uh, sort of the early 2000s as New Frontiers churches. And uh, he ministered into um, Germany and Switzerland with the New Frontiers churches there uh, in that year of 2002. Um, and about 150 people became Christians in those meetings, which is amazing. There, were, there weren't enormous meetings, uh, but lots of people came along, got saved. And one of the marks, the hallmarks of his uh, ministry is that he will bring words uh, in the meeting and uh, then speak, speak those words out. Uh, God's wanting to speak to this person about this. Um, and then uh, they would respond, and often there's prayer for healing afterwards as well. And uh, one of the uh, stories that came out of that time was from a meeting in Germany. Um, and he said, uh, during the meeting, he said, I see a woman with a bottle of tablets in her hand. The bottle is this big. Uh, she wants to commit suicide today and has already prepared the tablets. God says, I love you and value your life. Don't throw it away. The woman is sitting in this area, he said, pointing to a small section of the auditorium. There's only about 120 people there, uh, so there's no margin for error. And he, he directed his, 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 his point, he pointed to a particular part of the room, and a woman stood up, um, and tears came forwards. It was her, she'd, she'd considered uh, killing herself. Uh, she was so touched by God's love and his direct message through Rambabu, uh, he prayed for her, he preached the good news, uh, uh, encouraging everybody to give their lives to, to Jesus. She responded and became a Christian. It was a wonderful story. Now that kind of story uh, has been uh, repeated again and again and again. And uh, in, you read Christian books, you hear stories like that through uh, YouTube channels or podcasts. Uh, the idea that God speaks uh, and gives words to one person for other people, and they respond to that, and God does something as a result. Now, I'll come back to that more fully in a moment. Uh, we're in a series about the Holy Spirit, as we, I think, should all know by now. And a couple of weeks ago, Thule spoke about the gifts of the Spirit um, in a broad uh, sense. I think there's probably about 36, 37, uh, 38 gifts, different gifts listed in the New Testament as you go through all the different passages. There are four main passages, I think, uh, where the gifts of the Spirit are really set out. And today we'll be looking at one of those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then last week, Brooke really helpfully talked about one of the gifts, the gift of leadership. Um, and we're going to unpack lots of different gifts as we go through this year. Uh, today, I'm going to be looking at a particular gift called we call the Word of Knowledge uh, from 1 Corinthians 12. It's also known as the Message of Knowledge or the Utterance of Knowledge, depending on which Bible version you're using. But for the sake of clarity today, I'm going to just call it the Word of Knowledge. Okay? So we'll read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11, just to remind us of the context. And this is the ESV. Should come up on the screen, yeah. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, 
but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So that passage is, if I can illustrate it, is a bit like um, we've all got a bit of a jigsaw puzzle piece or, or a number of pieces and we all need to put our pieces in place so that the whole picture can be completed. The Spirit gives each of us gifts, every one of us gifts, and we are all to use our gifts so that the church can be complete and can grow in maturity. That's the idea that Paul is, is setting out here. Now, Steph's going to preach about the word of wisdom or the utterance of wisdom later in this series. But today I'm going to look at those, that phrase in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, the word of knowledge. Or in this version, the utterance of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Now, um, I just want to say that uh, I have actually studied this kind of idea uh, in some depth. Um, some years ago I did a master's degree in applied theology and uh, my thesis was on the word of knowledge. So I've written a 20,000-word dissertation, uh, which has... I will <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long one, Brooke. <laughs> you, th you thought you were long last week, mate. No. Um, this has the snappy title, An Examination of the Word of Knowledge as Referred to by Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and Practiced in Contemporary Pentecostal and Charismatic Christianity. So the title was several thousand words, so that was good, that helped. Um, but yes, but essentially I've, I've, I've studied this in some depth to see what people uh, really think it is. Thinking back to, you know, going back to that time, thinking, how did I manage to write 20,000 words on a three word phrase which only appears once in the New Testament? I'm not quite sure, but that's what you do when you're in the academic world. Um, so if you want to know what top theologians think the word of knowledge is uh, and you're struggling to get to sleep at night, this could be a solution. I can send it to you. To adapt the famous words of Winston Churchill following the Battle of Britain, never in the field of theological conflict has so much been written about so little to benefit so few. So, but I, am, I would like to claim to be one of the UK's leading experts on the word of knowledge on that basis. Um, the story I began with, um, you know, with Ram Babu, the evangelist and bringing words, that, that will be familiar to lots of people. If you've been in church, if in a church like this uh, over the last few years, you, you've probably been in a meeting or seen something of that or read something about that uh, in your experience. In the UK, the um, charismatic movement, that is the, the move of the Holy Spirit, really got going in the 1960s uh, for the main denominations. The, the Pentecostals have been there for, for decades before, but finally the Baptists and the Methodists and the Anglicans, the Catholics and all the rest of them uh, caught up in the 1960s. 
And lots of books were written from that period onwards about uh, speaking in tongues, about prophecy, about words of knowledge and wisdom and all, the, all of these gifts as people began to get into it and understand it more fully. And uh, so the, the stories that were written often were, were these stories of, you know, somebody has a word, they, they see something over somebody's, uh, over somebody's head and they, they, they speak that word out to them and they're sort of convicted that they need to change their lives or do something or there's a word in a meeting, uh, somebody's got a, a painful right shoulder and, uh, you know, I think God wants to heal you and somebody comes forward and they pray for the person and they get healed. Uh, and so that, that kind of thing is, is, is sort of constantly, uh, regularly talked about through different types of media as examples of the word of knowledge. Now, this charismatic view was building on the Pentecostal understanding of the word of knowledge, which is very similar. Uh, the idea then that God reveals something about a situation or someone's personal circumstances. Here's a couple of definitions of the word of knowledge uh, coming from similar backgrounds. The first one is from John Wimber. There it is. John Wimber um, started the Vineyard Church movement uh, across the world, based in California, very influential in the British church um, some decades ago. But he said the word of knowledge is God revealing facts about a situation concerning which a person had no previous knowledge. So God revealing facts to him. He operated in this gift, by the way, uh, a lot. God revealing facts about a situation concerning which that person had no previous knowledge. Harold Horton is the other person that's uh, quoted here. Harold Horton uh, was a Pentecostal leader. He wrote a book on spiritual gifts, um, and he represents the classical Pentecostal position. And he expressed it as the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. And he gives examples of how that might work, uh, bringing insight in how we might pray. Uh, he even talks about God speaking to us so we can find lost people or lost property, uh, revealing facts in personal lives or to allow spiritual correction or benefit. So frequently the gift is associated with a healing ministry where medical conditions are identified and then prayed for. So this version, this understanding of the word of knowledge is very much a revelatory, supernatural gift that aids ministry. So I guess we're, you know, most of us are familiar with that kind of definition. However... That particular definition of the word of knowledge seems to have developed in the early 20th century, but before that, there was a very different understanding of what the word of knowledge actually was. Uh, it was regularly associated with the teaching gift. So Bible scholars like John Calvin in the Reformation or John Wesley in the uh, 18th century or Matthew Henry, the great, great commentator, um, they associated the, the word of knowledge, this gift, with the interpretation of scripture and the gift of communicating knowledge, which is very different from our modern understanding. Uh, the theologian Wayne Grudem, contemporary theologian, points out that this inspired teaching view is well established in most academic commentaries on 1 Corinthians 12. So if you look at a commentary on 1 Corinthians 12, you go see what they say about verse 8, they'll be talking about inspired teaching rather than some revelatory gift which is brought in a meeting or in a different situation where God reveals something to one person for somebody else. So a different view. 
This traditional view could be summed up, I think, in the phrase, truth on fire. Truth on fire. Let me give you a, a biblical example of that idea, um, thinking back to Luke chapter 24, when uh, there are two disciples, they're on their way from Jerusalem to the Emmaus, they're on the road, and they are joined by uh, a stranger. Now what's just happened is that uh, Jesus has been crucified uh, a few days before, uh, he's been arrested and crucified, and then three days have passed by, and these two disciples are talking about the events that have happened, and also they're slightly confused because there's some rumours going around from other disciples that the body is missing. The body was put into, to- into the tomb, but it's now missing. And, and there's some, some uncertainties as whether that, what that really means. Does, does that actually mean that Jesus has risen from the dead? They're not sure. And they're walking along, and this stranger joins them. They've got a seven-mile journey, and uh, he says, what are you talking about? And they look at him, they can't believe that he's the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know about these, this story. And so they tell him what, what they're talking about, and then he begins to unpack the scriptures to them. He goes all the way through the Old Testament uh, and just talks about the Messiah in the Old Testament and the way that uh, all these things had to happen to Jesus to fulfill all these prophecies. And, uh, and then they get to Emmaus, and he, 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 he pretends he's going to move on and go on to another town, but they say, no, stay with us. I presume they have a meal, but then he breaks bread with them, and at that point, their eyes are opened, and they realize who he is. And then he disappears from their sight. It's an extraordinary story. But the thing I want to draw our attention to is verse 32 in Luke 24, where we read, they asked each other, these two disciples, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were our hearts not burning as he opened the scriptures to us? I'm sure that many of us have had that experience where we've been sitting listening to a sermon, listening to somebody preach and thought, oh wow, I've never ever seen that before and it's kind of stirred us inside. Uh, and, and sometimes you can be really familiar with a, a passage of scripture and, and somebody gets up and shares something and you think, wow, where did they find that from? You know, God's given them some revelation in it. And, uh, and, and, and it's exciting, there's that sense of excitement about it. That could well be the word of knowledge in action if you interpret it the way that they used to before the 20th century. Okay, so there's a different kind of understanding of the word of knowledge, inspired teaching gift. Um, and you don't have to be a preacher to actually operate in that kind of version of the word of knowledge, if you like, if, if you, you take that interpretation. You can be in a small uh, group, a, a gospel community sharing uh, from the word. I mean, we've, we've been working in our group through uh, the Gospel of John some, some months ago, and you know, different people share things, and there are Many moments where you think, wow, that's a great insight. I've never seen that. I've read this so many times before. And that person's just brought something which fires something within you. Uh, even the very newest Christian uh, in our group shares things and you think, oh, wow, what? that's a great insight. Is that the word of knowledge is my question, rather than the popular understanding of it that we, we often talk about. So... Um, you can see that there are these two different terms, just to clarify then, there they are, traditional view, inspired teaching gift, modern view, a revelatory gift, perhaps more akin with the prophetic kind of uh, gifting. 
There was a church leader, an author called Michael Green, and he, uh, I think, is absolutely correct when he said, none of us can be quite sure what Paul meant by the gift of knowledge in this list, although some people think they know. (laughs) So at the end of the day, does it matter how we define the word of knowledge? Uh, have I just spent 20 minutes telling you, you know, there's two options, take your pick and let's, you know, I've wasted everybody's time. I think it could matter in this respect, because if you share occasional insights into Bible verses that you've read, and you know they've blessed other people, you might also feel a little bit inferior to the person that gets up in a meeting and says, oh, God's got this word for this person, and, you know, it's a more spectacular kind of version, if you like, of the word of knowledge. And you could feel a little bit kind of, well, I don't really hear God like that. But actually, you're hearing God in a different way. You're hearing God as you have processed the Bible, as you're meditating on the scriptures, if you're praying. Maybe it's been over a period of time, and you've come into a group setting, and you just share that gem with people. Uh, And that's exciting in that moment, but it doesn't feel quite as dramatic as the person that comes up and seems to be very spontaneously bringing words to people. I want to encourage you, if you're of that type, which I think I'm probably more there, um, you are also hearing God and you are also bringing something very valuable and just as important as the person that stands up at the front and you know, does the rambaboo thing and points people out and says you've got red curtains in your bedroom and you've been working for this company for 10 days and you know, it's all accurate, revelatory stuff. We need all of these gifts. And so I think both don't, don't play down the importance of your gift if it's not that sort of spectacular version of it. Both of these versions, you know, the revelatory version or the inspired teaching version, they both rely on hearing God's voice. And so I want to spend a, f- a few minutes, just as we sort of come to a conclusion, just exploring that a little bit. How do we actually hear the Holy Spirit uh, speak to us? How do we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us? In the course of doing this dissertation, I interviewed uh, three Christian leaders um, who were all pretty prominent leaders. Um, One led the whole movement of churches and others were were quite well known, um, but they all operated in this, this more revelatory word of knowledge kind of gifting. But I was interested to know how, what actually goes on in your head uh, when you bring a word to a meet, into a meeting. You know, what, what is that process like? Because you, know, you can read in the Bible, you know, often you read, oh, and the Holy Spirit told us to go here or prevented us from going there. But what actually happened in that moment? How do they know that? And so I was asking them those sorts of questions. And uh, I discovered that actually all three were very different. And that God uses our personalities uh, and gives us our own style, if you like, of hearing and communicating what God is saying. And we shouldn't try and be like somebody else. First person I spoke to uh, headed up a movement of churches. Uh, He was very sceptical about his ability to hear God because he grew up in a church which didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, he was, he'd got a science background, so he said when he started to operate in this sort of um, context where he was being encouraged to bring words in a revelatory sense into a meeting, he told me, he said, uh, he said I got, um, got myself a notebook, so being a sort of scientist, got that sort of background, he said, I, I wrote down the date, I wrote down the time, I wrote down the word I'd brought, and I wrote down the response. If it was a response from that word, I wrote it down as well. 
He said, I wanted to log, because I didn't really believe I, could, I was hearing God's voice, but I wanted to log it down. And he said, I kept that, that thing going for, for months, he said. And in the end, he said, when I look back at it, I thought, why am I doing this? I'm hearing God a lot more than I ever expected to. And he'd, uh, he'd, he wanted the evidence, you know, because of that scientific kind of mindset, but the evidence was there. And so after that, he ditched the, the notebook and just carried on, um, believing that he, he hears God. Now, what he said was that on the vast majority of occasions, he has this fleeting impression um, it's not much more than that, a fleeting impression of what God is saying. And then he will share that. He said, sometimes it will be repeated, um, and it's not unusual for him to, him to think, he said, he said, am I making this up? Or did I have this word last week and I'm just repeating myself? So there's a lot of doubt there, and you know, he was previously sceptical about whether he could hear God. So he's, he's operating in faith, but it's a fleeting impression. Um, now another... Pentecostal leader I, I met a couple of times, has written a lot of books, planted 25 churches in the Midlands, uh, great man of God, has gone to be with the Lord now. Um, he described it in this way, he said he, he described it like a half-remembered thought. It's just something, just fleeting there, half-remembered thought, just helpful. Um, but you have to have faith to step out in it, and if you don't step out in it, you never find out whether it's, it's God or not. And that's what he, this guy was trying to test you know, with, his, with his notebook. Another person I interviewed said uh, it all happens for him in the meeting. Um, it's all very spontaneous. Um, I think he has pictures. He has a sort of maybe a word, um, but he just steps out in faith. And I think he said, you know, for him, God keeps him humble and dependent on him in faith um, and doesn't give him anything before the moment. Um, but he took the view that God works within your personality. He said, my own personality is quite fluid and creative. Um, when he was a child, he used to watch uh, an evangelist do this sort of thing, just bring revelatory uh, words of knowledge. He wanted to copy him. He wanted to be exactly the same as him, but he found he couldn't. He wasn't, that wasn't him. And so he found his own way through his own personality of working out how to hear God and how to communicate uh, with other people. Third person I interviewed uh, said he frequently encounters God or understands what God is saying through what he called association. Uh, that is the way he experiences other people through the natural senses. So there might be something in a person's face which kind of in indicates for him this, that God, God wants to say something to that you know, because of what he can see in their face. Um, it, it might be that he draws inspiration from um, the clothes that, that somebody's wearing. I, I know I've had this experience myself as well. But the, you know, what they're wearing sometimes triggers an insight into what God wants to say to them. He might respond, he says, to in, come into a room and, and pick up a sort of an atmosphere or a sense of, of emotion in the room. Um, and uh, that, that kind of thing. So he might, uh, said, he said, sometimes I pick up on uh, the, the sound of someone's voice and the way they're, they're sounding. And he, that triggers the, the words and the, the way that he's, he uh, feels that God is speaking. So each of us is unique. You won't hear God in exactly the same way as somebody else. So don't look at somebody else and think, oh, I could never do that. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to do it a different way, the way that God's made you. And I want to encourage all of us uh, then to uh, just be open to hearing God's voice. Um, so whether you take the view that the word of knowledge is an inspired teaching gift or a revelatory gift, 
the Holy Spirit wants to speak through all of us. And sometimes that will come in the moment and very spontaneously, and other times that will come over a period of time, and then there'll be a moment where you have an opportunity to share something, and that will bless people enormously. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray for ourselves to be able to hear God's voice more clearly. Um, and I'm going to encourage us in a moment just to, to come down, if you want to come down to the front to pray for each other, a bit of space down here or where you are. But um, I, I'm guessing that most of us will feel I've already, I'm already in one of those two camps or I would like to be in one of those camps and do that more, and we can pray for one another in that regard. Um, so let's, right now, let's pray. I'll pray and lead us, and then we'll just uh, spend a few minutes just ministering to one another and asking the Holy Spirit to enable us to hear him more and more clearly. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, so we can expect to hear what Jesus is saying to us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that um, you've given us the Holy Spirit and um, you, said you, you said you had to go, you had to leave this earth, you had to ascend before that could be, the Holy Spirit could be given and Lord, just the very fact that we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in different ways is evidence that you certainly have died and risen again and ascended. So we thank you that Lord Jesus that you've given the power of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit to us so that the whole world might be reached, that the church might be built up. Lord, we thank you for all those different gifts. We thank you for this particular gift which takes us into the arena of just needing to hear God more clearly. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people who hear your voice, because as Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Help us to hear your voice and to bring uh, gifts and encouragement in different settings, whether that's in the immediate kind of uh, spontaneous moment or as we're praying for somebody or speaking to somebody or whether it's over a period of time where we just sense what God is saying. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who are, are just full of an understanding of how to hear God's voice and that we would all find our own way of hearing you and expressing what you're saying to other people. So Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray, come upon us right now Come upon us right now and help us just to, with faith, draw close to you. Thank you, Lord.